Howdy, folks. Welcome to a new episode of We'll See You in Hell, the podcast. It's part of the Fangoria Podcast Network. For more information about this network, including other programs, how to follow our show, or how to find episodes of any show, please visit Fangoria.com. And now, on with the show. Pat Walsh. Hey, guys. In full deluxe stereo. New format. New format, in case you, you missed it, we are uh, kind of keeping it a, as it was, a free-flowing conversation, but we're not tying it to a film. And each week, the loose theme of the episode will be a sin. We're starting with the Big Sev, the Deadlies. Today's going to be Wrath, which we just had to look up. I thought Wrath might be murdering someone. Turns out, Wrath is just anger, which is a sin that everyone has, and I have Every second of every day. And I think Joe has it more than I do. I got it bad, baby. Yeah. And that ain't good. No. Uh, it helps me. It fuels my my writings, my comedies. I feel like it makes me a more interesting person, perhaps. Um, but it is a sin, you know? Your comedies? Is that what you just said? My co- My comedy. My writing. Oh, I thought you said your comedies, like you were like a Greek playwright. <laughs> It helps both my comedies and my tragedies. Uh, I'm currently wearing a black shirt, and I have the two, the drama and tragedy masks and glitter on it. <laughs> I teach a class over at the Learning Annex. I'll tell you, I'm annoyed with you already, because <laughs> I'm looking at your volume versus mine. I mean, yeah. wh- why are you so much lower than me? Am I that much lower than you? And look at the waveforms. Look at look at mine. It looks like a, oh. like a cardiac arrest is happening. Should we restart? Mine. No, I'll just adjust it all in post. Why don't we restart? We don't have anything good here. No, the people... the the <laughs> We don't need to restart. The people afterwards won't know. Just hold the goddamn mic up a little closer. I, I'm holding it. There you go. Maybe I'm just too loud. Look, it, the people are sitting at home going, what are you talking about? It sounds fine, because I'll mix master this at the end. All right. See, I'm, now I'm getting uh, wrathful. I'm getting angry <laughs> at the whole affair. <laughs> I Joe, mean, what angers you? What's angering you right now? I think let's let's start off big picture. The country is in serious danger. I don't pay what? attention to politics. My anything I do politically does not matter and will not change the world in any way. Sorry, that's how I feel. Right. Uh, you're looking at these candidates. I mean, obviously, Trump's a goddamn monster. Right. Clinton, and this has zero to do with her being a woman. You can think somebody's not going to do a great job, even though they're a woman. I she has a a way of just you know sniping at at Sanders and just like uh, this like one liners thing to him all the time. And well, you did this, you said this, you did this. I don't want that as my president. Bernie Sanders is better about it, but he's an old kook, and he can't deliver on these promises. There are no good options, and it's going to be one of those three people. There are no good options. There are no great options, let's there say. There have never been great options. I feel like Bill Clinton at, at his time was a great option. Barack Obama was a very important president for this country to have. I think it was nice that we had Obama in there. I'm sorry, I just called him Barack Obama. <laughs> like, I don't know how to speak. I think it was nice that we had Obama in there. But, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody goes, it's a mark of uh, progress, and it's not really, because all that happens is is the people like us that try to think progressively, at least, say, well, that's good that that happened, but we would have thought that anyway. And the people that didn't want that to happen just became more racist and angry about it. Sure. So nobody changes. Which pushes people more towards a Trump type. Nobody changes. Nothing no. can get fixed. Nothing will ever change. Don't I just, vote. It's a waste of time. It is, and I will still vote. I won't. But, it, you know, and I, this is something I said at the last election, was like, if you don't clap at a concert, you're, you're an asshole. It makes no difference if you clap at a concert, but if you don't do it, you're an asshole, is my opinion. And that's how I feel about voting. It makes no difference. You should do it. People have fought for your right to do it. You should do it. When? When did they fight for our right? How long do I have to be indebted to they that for? They probably fought for my right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a historian. 
300 they, years ago or something. Mark. Somebody did something. I, mean, yeah. I got to still fucking play it. No, that's, so, like, that's like somebody telling me my great-great-grandfather came over here. I don't fucking know that guy. Other, you know, it's a other different people world. In other countries don't have that right. Well, it you know? sucks for them. Man. It's shitty. It's sure. a shit way to live. <laughs> you know, but I couldn't agree more. But these people, you know, I'm watching the new season of uh, House of Cards, and obviously, Kevin Spacey on that show is, uh, you know, just a complete monster. They got this new guy coming up in the ranks. He's like 40, young, you know, family. He's a good-looking guy. He's got big ideas. And they reveal him to, you know, have some scummy ties as well. My point is, where are these people? Where are the good, like, 40-year-old men and women uh, with, like, bright ideas who are excited and can't wait till they turn 40 so they can run for the presidency? You're talking about a fantasy show. I I am talking about a fantasy show. You're talking about a baby child TV show. And that person would, of course, not be as great as you want him to be. Barack Obama was, in a way, that person. But... Where are they? How are these ghouls when you the best ha- America has to offer? Because when you have one, people start to refer to him as they refer to Bernie Sanders, as this guy's a kook and an idealist and none of this can ever happen. Because deep down, everybody knows change will never happen. Yeah, that's true. And if Trump is our president, I don't think that changes America in a big way either. It sadly probably won't. It'll it's change it. It'll, sli- it'll slightly swing the pendulum to the advantage of like the maniacs that like that guy for eight years, yeah, and then or four or four. But there but are that enough worst... people in place. Barack Obama can't get done what he wants to get done, and neither will Trump. That's what I'm there saying. There are enough people in place who are going to be like, no, can't do that. By the way, there are also plenty, plenty, plenty of people that are saying they know Trump personally. That this is all just stage antics so right. he can win. He's fully aware of what he's unable to do. It's all just bullshit. It's bullshit. It really For is. four to eight years, if he wins, the people in his camp will have it slightly better, uh, and and then it'll change again, and another guy will come in from the other side yeah. or woman, and and then You'll it'll be just, able to it'll be that thing again. Throw a can of soda at an Asian if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I think the man's a. A goddamn nightmare. But He's an idiot. I just don't see any one president changing this country, and I think that's what really bums people out. It makes them full of wrath, bringing it right back home. When you talk, when you talk to the average uh, political uh, enthusiast, yeah, I find it very similar to talking to a religious enthusiast. A thousand percent. When you really hammer logic at them over and over. They are reduced to the defense of, well, you got to do something. Yeah. And that's the religious defense. Well, you got to believe in something. Well, okay, well, then here we are now at the truth or at the heart of the matter. You don't believe in something because you believe in it. You just feel better believing in it. And to me, that's the same thing with politics. You just feel better believing in something. Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, you have no real way of changing anything. No. Uh, and people get into these like these impotent rages where because they can't do anything, they get more angry. And my dad and I think a lot of people my dad's age get in these holes where they can't stop watching Fox News because they start feeding off the rage that it gives them. Yes. And then, you know, my dad, you'll if somebody says like George Bush in his presence, you're getting yelled at for eight hours. I'm like, it's over. Stop it. Yeah. And you look on Twitter, funny people, people I respect, spend their entire day responding to trolls yep. who probably don't even feel the way they're expressing. Yep. And they're like, but Trump's Hitler, Trump's Hitler, Trump. Write a joke or get off of Twitter. This is Stop. the thing. This is the thing. It's uh, you're, you're driving yourself crazy. I have, uh, I have a bit about this in my act right now about like how much I hate social media. And the one thing I hate about it is that it's given us Twitter activists yeah. Who do nothing more for the fight than tweet what they think. Right. And, you know, it's a one sided conversation if they want it to be. It's it's like the weakest form of activism. You could you could the most noncommittal form of yeah, activism. We've talked about that on here. And uh, but I have a bit about it. And I, I, I basically the crux of the bit is like 
this is why like true social change will never happen again. Like there are no more radicals like we had in the sixties. There, there are no, there is. You don't have Malcolm X staring out the window with a machine gun. You don't have Jimmy Hoffa fist fighting cops. You don't have Martin Luther King marching on cities like Birmingham. You don't have radicals. You have these privileged, privileged, pampered, yeah, upper upper class, cushy fucking pussies mm-hmm. that have time to just kind of sit around and pontificate and read the New Yorker right. and have discussions to whatever elaborate ends they want in coffee houses and stuff. Those aren't activists. Those aren't people that are going to get anything done. Nothing will get done. Change is not brought by discussion. It just isn't. No. Change is brought by overthrowing horrific, horrific people and that's the only way change has ever been brought. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. It's yeah. a sad, terrible truth, but it's true. And, and that's if you're going to never... tweet, hashtag feel the burn, and then go to your yoga class, who, what, who, what are you changing? What are you helping? You're wanting people to know that you like Bernie Sanders so that maybe people who like Bernie Sanders like you. You're not trying to change anyone's mind. Whose mind has been changed by this? Well, you say, you know, I've made this argument before to people and they'll go, they'll go, well, look at the change that social media made in like in Egypt. There were uprisings. It's like, yeah, there were violent uprisings. Yeah. This isn't these weren't discussed. You can't do anything with this. Like, and I'm not saying so so go out and be violent because that first of all, I don't I don't I'm not suggesting that. And second of all, that's also not an option here because they could induct martial law here in two fucking seconds so you could never sure you could never take to the streets the way people used to it's all bullshit this is it just fucking you're in for the ride and you're fucked and nothing will help you yeah so just try to get along with your neighbors and uh just uh, and even that can hardly be done i just i went over i bought joe and i a couple beers to enjoy for the podcast (laughs) at a liquor store and i pulled into this parking spot you know there's a giant dumpster that rolls off its wood block that was keeping it propped up, and this thing swings into my car real hard. Right. Just, like, crashes into it, no one around. I was saying I'm not going to sue the liquor store or something. But I'm like, what the hell? I look at it, I look at There's this old Asian guy there, and he comes over and looks at it, and he keeps shaking his head, and he goes, the problem is there's no accountability. Yep. Nobody cares. You go in now. You you say to them, hey, my car, it got hit by your dumpster. They're not going to care. The person who messed the dumpster up is not going to care. Then he's getting really angry. He starts going on. He goes, Apparently the other day Asian somebody walks guy by. with a light Scottish accent was. <laughs> well, I was, I was so worried about doing a, uh, an offensive uh, Asian accent that I opted on the side of Scottish. Right, yeah. So uh, he goes, Wah! I'll tell you this, Patty. <laughs> I'm Asian. No, but he, he went on and on. We had a nice conversation, but he was getting madder and madder, and something had happened to him recently, you could tell. But he just was like, these kids walk by, they knock over my trash can. The trash spills out. They walk off laughing. They don't even know that I saw them. Why would they do this? What? Why, why are they doing this? I'm like, I don't know. It's just a horrible time to be alive. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody yeah. is just like, this is the best we can do. And it is, I think. Yeah. Look, man. It's, it's sad. It's I'm heavy on this stuff right now. I'm real heavy on this stuff right now. It's, what uh, makes you what makes you angry on it on a day to day basis? We all this big picture. Break it down to a small. I'll tell you what makes me angriest on a day to day basis. The fact that the few fleeting moments of happiness I have each week are found somewhere in a yeah. bottle uh and then i and then i carry all this guilt about that like i like sure i should feel bad because everybody around me is some kind of fucking asshole that runs through runyon canyon and eats fucking quinoa three times a day and you know it's just i just got nowhere to fit in those people are miserable too it's what <laughs> they're doing their own stupid thing i mean christ almighty where where's the where's the action anymore man Nobody takes any risks. Nobody has any fun. It's all fucking no. stupid. I, you know, the the outrage that people have, particularly on social media, which we've talked about in here too, about 
this offends me, that offends me. Uh, I think everyone is just so angry, and they don't know where to put it, and they feel like online is a safe space to kind of bitch about things that are definitely not upsetting them, definitely not bothering them. Sure. Um, and it really drives me insane. There's bigger shit to worry about. Well, I'll tell you this, too. You know, I was knocking the social media activists earlier, but I'll tell you, part of me part of me does empathize with them or sympathize with them because, I mean, that's the other side of it is we live in this fucking freak show where if you do try to stand up against somebody on the right, they will fire shots at you or, you know come back with you with some sort of racial onslaught or, or or something just horrible. Sure. If you stand up to people on the left, they'll try to have your job. They'll try to take your money away from you. And I yep. mean, it's you got bullies on both sides. Nobody feels safe just speaking their mind anymore. So then it, it, it gets reduced to these bullshit platforms where nobody gets heard, but then nobody gets hurt. And yeah, I mean, Jesus I am, Christ, I'm a a good person. You know, I yeah, yeah. don't have a, a a hateful bone in my body for or a racist bone or a sexist bone or anything like that. And I feel terrified to just calmly speak freely anyway. Yeah. And I, and I know that I wouldn't be saying anything that would that would piss people off, but you don't know what will piss people off anymore. I can't even deal with it. You don't I don't know what to do. I don't feel I find myself staying home more because of it. That's very frustrating. Um, right. Yeah, it's it's the anger of just, you know, this might bleed more into envy. But when you see what is being released to the goddamn movie theater every week, when you see what's <laughs> coming out on TV every week, when you look for the past 18 Fridays, I've looked at Spotify New Music Friday, by the way. When did they change release date from Tuesday to Friday? When did that happen? Like six months ago. Is that happening everywhere? Yeah. The music now comes out on Friday, not Tuesday. Somebody just decided that. I don't like that. I don't like it either. I like a Tuesday. It breaks up your week. You have something to look forward to. I go to Best Buy on a Tuesday when I was a kid. Yeah. I don't need all the fun stuff happening on Friday. This is not because I am old. Believe me. I log in there every week, and I'm like, there's 40 albums here that I would rather fillet my dick than listen to. Yeah, everything is uh, homogenized now to a point where, I mean, you really have to dig to find the good stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, and the good stuff's out there. Let's give a little, little shout-out to a band called The Shrine that I was introduced to this week. See, now, you, I think you tweeted about them, and I looked to their uh, Twitter page, and they had 300 followers. They're, it's not a lot of followers. Yeah. Uh, but they, they're constantly out. touring Europe, doing huge festivals over there and stuff, okay. which made me happy that they didn't have a lot of followers. I was like, here's some guys doing it, and For fuck the all the, the bullshit. They're doing it still. It right. They don't need 150,000 Twitter followers. They're doing it. Right. Um, but, I mean, I found them because I went into old Vacation Records on Sunset Boulevard. Stop in there if you ever have the time. That's not a, that's not a plug. They're, they don't sponsor us, but uh, I'm just a fan of the store. And I said, uh, I love Fu Manchu. I love yeah. Deep Purple. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking for some good old stoner rock. What can you suggest? They said, you might like these guys. I bought the album, brought it home. I fucking love it. And, uh, but, you know, that, that you're not going to find that on the front page of iTunes or Spotify. I mean, you're just no. not. Well, I mean, Spotify goes pretty deep, you know, and I go all the way to the bottom and I, I don't see anything. Fu Manchu, for example, I just bought some of their old vinyl records. I saw them, and they were amazing, on a tour, but they were playing one of their best albums in its entirety, one of those deals. Yeah. And I love when that happens. I was listening to the lead singer of Monster Magnet, Dave Windorf. Yeah. He's on the best show with Tom Sharpling, which is my favorite weekly podcast, little plug. Um, and he was talking about how he'll say, hey, we've got some really awesome new music. We're really excited about it. Um, can we book a date at your theater, your small theater in Oregon or whatever? I go, no, but, you know, I'm looking here. You're about to hit the 15th anniversary of your big hit album. Maybe if you played that, we could book you. And he's like, if we want to make any money, we just have to keep 
churning out the same stuff we've already done that we know people Oh, the want. Monster Magnet guy is saying this This is a hypothetical example of No, how he's saying that's the only way he can make money. Is He's like, I got to go out and tour an album that's not in my heart right now. The album that I love and want to play, no one will book me. Even though Monster Magnet, you know, they're not huge, but they got a fan they base. They a pretty good fan base. And they're a good band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's just a dark time. And then people say, well... Look at all these Netflix shows, or look at it, look at that. Well, the the truth is there. The people getting these shows have huge followings. Aziz Ansari is not some upshoot, <laughs> you know. Yeah, maybe that show, the characters, is cool. That's a cool idea. Giving ten, uh, ten little comedians or up not not little. That's so insulting. I I love three of them. I don't know the other ones. Um, their own shot. That's a very cool idea. And what is I this? meant lesser known, not little. It's called the characters. It gives each one of these different comedians their their shot. I never even heard of that. What show is that? Um, it's called the characters. I have said it. What's three it times on? Now. I, I, <laughs> it's it's on Netflix. Don't turn it on me. I've uh, never heard of the show. You know, uh, there there is cooler kind of niche stuff happening, but as a rule, it's happening with huge people attached to it, which is no different than anything else. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it is sort of that. It's sort of that vibe of like the '90s when it was like, "Oh, the underground's taking over," but all the bands that were coming from the underground were still like, you still had to be on Sub Pop or something like that. That's exactly right. Or like and- Geffen and Sub Pop for an indie back then was as close as you could get to a major for an indie. And I'm a fan of the label. I'm not. That's not a knock. I'm just saying that was a huge independent label. Well, Epitaph Records, was Mud, a huge- Mud Honey, Melvins, all those bands. None of them fucking got rich. It's the bands that used their sound and took it to a bigger level well and it was all the bands that went to there was a geffen sampler called dgc rarities volume one and it was yeah, like I'm obsessed with that yeah it was i was obsessed with it it was I, like every popular band from that movement yeah it was like nirvana and crows were on that yeah with a great song uh einstein, einstein on, the on the beach, beach. yeah yeah jinx buy me another 24 ounce paps <laughs> um yeah, you know, I'm I'm getting off a little bit here on on a tangent, and and the truth is, shit does get made. Not much gets made without a, a Duplass endorsement, an Apatow endorsement, right? Um, you know, but those people are helping. Uh, you know, people with creative original visions that might not make it to the screen in a big way. Sure, this isn't anything I'm feeling a great deal of wrath about. I'm just mad that every time I go to the movies, I'm like, ugh. Well, you loved. We saw Ten Cloverfield Lane the other night. You were on. You were floating after that. I movie. think Ten Cloverfield Lane, the best movie in about six months. I liked it. Uh, I didn't love it as much as you did. I loved Goodman's performance. I loved Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes. You want to hear so. one of the saddest things you'll ever hear? Loved sure. her so much in it. Googled her to see if she was married because <laughs> I thought, what are the. The, the, the chances aren't slim that we might cross paths in this kooky town we live no. in. The chances are slim that she would want to spend more time with you. I right. Think. Well, of course. Yeah. She looks like a regular gal, though. She does. Uh, She's been around a while. She was in Scott Pilgrim and shit. Yeah, but then you look at her her red so carpet pictures and you apartment. and you realize she's like the hottest woman ever. Yeah. In in movies, you're like, oh, that's like a normal pretty girl, and then you look at like the red carpet stuff, and you're like, oh no, she's yeah, yeah, yeah. ridiculously hot for sure. Um, but I, you know, she's somebody I'd like to marry in theory. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is just where I'm at these days. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, but I liked the movie. I didn't love it. Uh, and I told you primarily because, you know, I'm a big fan of anthology horror and sci-fi and the premise of the guy in the bunker. Is he crazy? Is he not? Is something really happening outside has been done many times on many classic anthology TV shows. So right. it wasn't my first rodeo with that premise, but they did a yeah, good job with it. I just can't imagine they would have been done that well. I thought it was a very extremely well-directed. It was great. Well-written, well-shot, tense movie. And honestly, nowadays, even though I think it's way better than a competent movie, if a movie is competent, I'm, I'm thrilled. It was done very, very well. Yeah, but there are there are sort of plot devices that uh, kind of go along with that story, right? So that's where some of the surprise got taken away from me because sure. I was already thinking like they're probably going to do this thing because that's kind of how this goes usually. Yes, uh, 
whereas you were massively ignorant to this to the existence of this type of story i've seen plenty of twilight zones i know that type of story exists i thought it was extremely well done it was every well movie done. you go to see has been done a billion times for the most part it was well done but I, uh, I, loved it. I thought john goodman deserves to win best actor and I thought will it not was be his nominated. best act- acting role ever, which is a hard thing yeah. to say because he's always very good. Never less than great. And it's ins- like John Goodman not nominated for supporting actor for The Big Lebowski. You know? I don't know how it's possible. Jeff Bridges not nominated for The Big Lebowski. I don't know how it's possible. They, the I think script John Goodman's wasn't one nomination is for Flight, a mo- the, probably the movie he was his worst in. Flight where he plays Denzel Washington's drug dealer? Yeah, but like he was, he went over the top. He, he was, ne- he was over the top. He was good in it. Uh, I liked him. He was nominated for that, though. I believe so. It is a very good movie. It's a movie that I think a lot of people would write off and think of, you know, oh, that's a mainstream whatever. But I, I thought that movie was surprisingly edgy and. I and dug flight. I liked it a lot. I Great liked nudity it a lot. at the beginning that I wasn't expecting. Huh? Great nudity at the beginning I wasn't expecting. Well, that shot of him just staring into her cooch as yeah. she bends over is, a, is was mildly disturbing. I, yeah. I, I still... F- I'll tell you what took flight was my penis, right? <laughs> I bet that day you had a bone in your body. <laughs> uh, the... Uh, no, the uh, I I I I love Denzel Washington in a way that I still get upset when he plays anybody sort of skeevy or bad. Sure, it still upsets me. I still feel like I'm seeing my dad or my uncle play like a do something mean. Sure, you know? so, but he's great. He's great in it. Uh, I preferred. We talked about this the other night, and you scoffed at me, but I preferred the witch to Ten, Ten Cloverfield Lane, and I don't understand why you don't get the witch. But you don't. I, I honestly think that's completely absurd. Uh, I thought the witch was massively dull. It had a nice tone, and it was shot in kind of a cool way as well. Maybe if I watched it again with subtitles, it would help because I had no idea what anyone was saying, and I didn't care, frankly. That's a shame. And the, you know, the tenth time they did a slow zoom on a on a rabbit's nose twitching, I said, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not scared right now." <laughs> And my buddy I saw it with hated it more than I did. He said he would have walked out if I wasn't there with him. I, I, I love the movie. I love the movie. I right. think it's idiotic what you're saying right now. That's fine. I, said, I think you sound like a stupid asshole. It had a couple scary moments. It was trying to go for a, a David Lynch thing. It was nowhere near. I didn't get David Lynch from it at all. I got just that feeling of dread. I got William Peter Blatty. I got uh, uh, William Friedkin. I got uh, 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 Kubrick. That's what I got out of that movie. I mean, that's just crazy. It was very much like The Shining. The Shining's an extremely slow film. And an hour longer than The Witch, I might add. I had way more echoes of The Shining in Cloverton, Cloverfield Lane. Oh, you fucking asshole. Which also reminded me of movies like Misery, Die Hard. I thought it had a lot of homages. Misery and Die Hard, he says. Yeah. Now, please. <laughs> well, she crawls around on the vents. I don't want to spoil too much. <laughs> that's that, so. It reminded you of. Uh, that's what it took to, to remind you of Die Hard. It's essentially the plot of Misery. A, a woman wakes up tied, chained to a bed. There were little nods to it throughout. Nobody is. Tone. Nobody's taking issue with the Misery comparison. You okay. said Die Hard, yeah, she and then you also around an event forever. And, and you I also was like this reminds. I think the director uh, and the writers and the producers and everybody in that J.J. Abrams camp are always trying to create the feeling of those movies from their youth, uh, 80s and 90s movies, 70s probably for them, Spielberg as well. And Kubrick. I think this is as good a job as they've done with it. Uh, so a hell of I, a lot better than Super 8, which you claim to like. I loved Super 8. They wanted to make a Goonies, and they made a Goonies. They could have called that Goonies too, and I would have been like, yeah, well, this is the Goonies. The Goonies is wildly overrated. Part, well. well, yeah. Look, I like the Goonies. I like but the Goonies. Uh, I, I just want to... down about I want something on the record, Your Honor, if this could please be marked in the record, highlighted with stars and asterisks next to it for any time we have a discussion or a difference about movies on this podcast. I want our listeners to remember the time you said, 10 Cloverfield Lane reminded me more of The Shining because I got echoes of misery and diehard from it. No, not because of. 
I just want everybody to remember that. That was well, your argument, that it was more like The Shining, and in the next breath you mentioned Die Hard. You're telling them what I didn't say because of is not what I said. I'm saying it had nods, I think, stylistic nods, that the director might even admit to, to a lot of those 80s, You know who else crawls around an event? Harry Crumb. You're goddamn did right. Did you get though. Harry Crumb out of Cloverfield Lane? No, but I did definitely get Die Hard. Anytime anybody goes up in a shaft, I think of Die Hard. Well, then you think of Harry Crumb. But I did not think of Harry Crumb. Well, did you get uh, Burt Wonderstone when the knife was coming through the walls and almost hitting her in the fucking face? No, I don't remember Burt Wonderstone. It was directed by, way, by Don Scardino, who's a great man. I love Don. He is a great man. You know uh, Don Scardino? I do not. How do you I know, do Don, know Don I had, We had a meeting many years ago. He's very oh, nice to okay, me. Okay, yeah, he's great. Uh, here's the thing, uh, and this disappointed me slightly. I did read uh, an article on MovieWeb today about 10 Cloverfield Lane and what the original ending was supposed to be. Probably shouldn't say it. It's too new. It's, I'm not going to say it. All right. But in discussing what the original ending was supposed to be, they were describing the current ending and some other things about the current, current plot ending, you know, wasn't, the wasn't great for me. But the, 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 the. I don't know who the interview was with the writer or whoever. It wasn't with, I don't think it was with J.J. Abrams. But the guy's just literally going, yeah, so this happens in the movie, which we ripped from Battle Los Angeles. And then this happens, which we took from this. He's just like citing like, yeah, we just took this from this other movie. Yeah. I found that a little disappointing, which again, back who, to my original. Who rich, would rip off Battle Los Angeles? It that says it the in the article. I've ever seen. It says it in the article. All right. But brings me back to my original premise or point. It was a good movie. But there were many things in it where I was like, I've seen this already, so I'm not that excited about it. Sure. Whereas The Witch, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Oh. Have you? I've seen it done better a billion times. Oh, please. What, what the village? Honestly, yeah. Oh, fuck you, Pat. Honestly, Pat, yeah. That's yes. idiotic. Yeah, I prefer The Village to The Witch. The, okay, re- yep. everybody, please, Fangoria fans, remember the time Pat Walsh said, I prefer The Village to The Witch. Strongly. That's, Strongly. That's asinine. That's Sorry. an asinine thing to say. If I go to a movie with a completely open mind expecting to enjoy it, and I'm bored, not scared, don't like it, don't understand a word that's being said, I'm not going to apologize and say I did like it. And my buddy hated it more than I did. Your buddy, you know, I don't know who your buddy is. Who's I've your talked buddy? to numerous people who despised it, and then a couple who really loved it, and that's fine. Everybody I know liked it because they were able to keep up with it. No, I understood the plot. I'm saying the way they were speaking, I was like, I don't know what's being said. Here. I got used to it. But that's just me. You know, I adapt to an experience. I thought the, the girl was a good actor. I thought there were a few effective moments. But at the end of it, I was like, Ugh. The, they, the, every actor was unbelievable in it. They had those six-year-old kids speaking like that old English. It was crazy. It was crazy, the shit they were pulling off. That fucking, the little boy, when he's doing that monologue about Jesus, it was like, it was one of the best act. It's the only movie he's ever been in. It was one of the best acting things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, we're just coming at it from a different place, Jeff. Oh, Christ. Go watch Die Harder. You know what you're hearing, folks, is wrath. Well, you brought it out of me today, babe. <laughs> I mean, but like, like, see, you you still do that. When I was like 20 and earlier, maybe maybe even longer than that, my friends would say, oh, I hated this movie that I loved, and I would wind up screaming. Right. Or vice versa. I love this movie that I hate. You still do it at age yeah. 56. <laughs> you still get this upset. I'm and I respect it. I love the passion. But now, if somebody hates something I love, I'm like, fine, I'll watch it again. You do what you want. Don't get me wrong. If we were at a cocktail party and you were a lady in a skirt, I wouldn't be yelling like this. I've seen. But we're doing a podcast at cocktail parties. But (laughs) Uh, we're doing a podcast at 4 p.m. No, you have absolutely have not seen that. (laughs) We're doing a podcast at four o'clock in the afternoon with two. Beyond tall boys. I don't know what you call the 24-ounce cans. Well, it is 6.30. You haven't set your clock forward yet. Uh, and I refuse to. I'm not playing ball with this daylight <laughs> savings anymore. You're just going to be an hour late to everything. I just don't care. Right. No, I'll be on time, but I'm just going to, in my head, I'm going to say I'm on DeRosa Central Time. All right. For, well, for six months of the year, you won't be rebelling at all. It'll just be That's fine. normal. And then okay. I'll look at that as they finally adapted to me. Yeah. 
But every time I get an email on the West Coast, they say, how's 3 p.m.? And I'm going to say, 3 p.m. PST, 2 p.m. MST, which right. is my standard time, so they know. Because this is what I'm doing from now on. That's fine. Because fuck these people. It is, it is really stupid. I guess it's, it's a farming thing, apparently. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. We I did a know. monologue about it on the Pete Holmes show years ago and got a lot of hate mail on the behalf of farmers. Uh, well, and it was we were joking, obviously. Shouldn't they be in bed at 12.30 in the morning? <laughs> you got to wake up at 3.30 to harvest the grain. We thought we were safe. We thought it was like making fun of the Amish, uh, but apparently no. Now you, I've heard you speak very uh, angrily about certain movies. You've you've yelled at me at a restaurant about enjoying Aliens, which I thought was a universally beloved movie by everyone in the world. But you screamed at me as though I I had the craziest opinion by enjoying a an acknowledged classic. I never screamed at you about Aliens. I said you you said it was superior the to the first movie, and that's what I yelled at you about. Yeah, and then I I said I enjoyed. Terminator 2, and you were upset about that? Shit pile, that movie. Right, okay. Watch it again. Most people don't think that. Um, Most people are idiots. We just talked about that for (laughs) the first 30 minutes of the podcast. Most people I know who are not idiots and beyond. Got news for you. I've been to your parties. Folks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Go ahead. Is Juliette Lewis an idiot, Joe? (laughs) Who was the famous person at the last one? Uh, Johnny Galecki, man. Johnny Galecki. Pat uh, has had two parties. Pete Holmes. So I've had both kids from Christmas vacation at my house. Yeah, Juliet Lewis came to the first one. This, this is very true. She came to the first yeah. one. I missed her. I missed the second party where I could have gotten some Johnny Galecki action. Could have gotten that Galex. He's a uh, great guy, actually. Who do you think is going to show up at the third one? Can I throw some ideas? I hope Beverly D'Angelo. And we keep riding, rounding out those Griswolds. That'd be great. Yeah. Richard Karn, possibly. <laughs> or Richard Kind. Or Richard Kind. Dickie Kind. Like I don't Dick think Dreyfus. Yeah. Uh, now, at my birthday party. Yeah. Uh, Belding showed up. Oh, now Belding is a big, alleged cokehead alcoholic. <laughs> and I used to go after tape nights over to this place, Dimples Karaoke, and he would be there oh, aggressively, allegedly, even though I saw it, groping the waitresses. And I'd be like, is he in here every night doing this? And they're like, yeah, it's a real problem, but he tips well, so a dark town we live He'd in. He'd go in the bathroom for five minutes, come out like eyes bulging, start grabbing waitresses' asses. Mr. Belding. Oh, boy. Dennis Haskins, y'all. And and everyone was like, I wonder if he hangs out here across from NBC in the hopes that somebody strolls in, has a few too many, and offers him a like a Mr. Belding spinoff. Oh, boy. Well, he showed up at my birthday. Apparently, he walked in, looked around, walked out. But you know That's who did good. hang out for a little while was... Uh, Ex Mister Simpson, uh, Nick uh, Lachey. Yeah, Nick Lachey rolled in for quite some time. Where was your party? It was at that bar. Remember? Oh yeah, I remember. I saw Nick Lachey there. Tiny man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought he would be like a big, like kind of like South Philly type, and he's not. He's like a little guy. Well, Jessica Simpson went public saying that he had a very small penis and couldn't pleasure him. She did. Which, yeah, I thought was a little shocking. But I yeah. mean, she just says a giant ass and pussy <laughs> we we know that that's possible it's anything's possible well look he's a tiny man usually tiny men have big hogs but i wouldn't be surprised if he told me he had a, he, he only had a little button on him because he was so small. usually tiny men have big hogs is that what, what i you're think saying? that's usually the way you know nature kind of does it you know that you're a short guy they give you something to, to throw around i'm a tall guy i have very average penis <laughs> um now, what I was building, too, before we get into your smut any deeper, <laughs> was that something that seems to upset you and a lot of people that never bothers me. I was talking to a woman at work today. She, she's, she's great. I have no issue with her at all. But she was talking about 10 Cloverfield Lane, and she was like, I loved it so much, and me and my daughter were on the edge of our seat, and I had the best time. And she's like, but that ending just ruined the whole thing for me. That is not an outlook I've ever had in my life. If a movie keeps me under a spell for 90 minutes and in the last 10 they do something stupid, it never pisses me off. You seem to get pissed off by a bad ending. Endings are hard. I get that you can be let down by it, but I don't forget the 90 minutes that came before that I loved. If it gets away from itself anywhere in the third act, I'm out. And that's a lot of fucking movies. I'm out. And I will tell you, I I wasn't crazy about the end of 10 Cloverfield Lane. It seemed a little too... I wasn't crazy about it. 
convenient. I agree. Uh, That's what I, you know, when I read when the I tweeted about, it, I said Goodman was perfect. The movie was almost perfect. When I the read the original perfect. original ending, I was like, oh, this is much better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't fully care for for the ending. It was. Did they say the studio said do a different ending? Or who made that? Decision? I didn't read that part. I just read what it was originally in the script. Right. But I mean, there's a great Twilight Zone with Joe Montana. It's from the 80s Twilight Zone where he builds a bunker. There's a guy, his neighbor's in the bunker with him. He, same kind of thing. He's like kind of psychotic. He won't let right. anybody in. He won't let anybody out. That doesn't seem like a good role for Joe Montana to me. Uh, he's good at it. All right. He's good at it. Did you mean Joe Montana? No, okay. But I'm glad you resurfaced a joke from Joe Montana's SNL monologue <laughs> in '87. I swear to God, that's a joke they do. All right, well, a little kid wants to leave, and the dad goes, "I'm sorry, my son thought Joe Montana was hosting," and he's like, "Can I talk to you, kid?" Yeah. And the dad's like, "Sure," and he pulls the kid backstage, and he's like, "I play a lot of bad men in movies. It's not an act. Uh-huh. I suggest you stay and watch <laughs> the show. It's really right, funny. That's good. Uh, anyway." Uh, the uh, anyway, same type of thing, he, you know, and then the guy, there's even the part where the guy's like, I hear people out there. We got to go. We got to get saved. Joe Montana right. like, you can't go out there. The guy runs out. Joe Montana is like, you're out. Fuck you. You're dead. Whatever. And then in the end, it cuts to the outside world. And there's a it's a tour group in front of a huge dome. Yeah. And the tour guide says. This is this dome was built uh, in rem- in memory of the the buildings and the people that were here before the bomb hit. The dome itself is containing the remaining nuclear fallout or whatever. So you realize Montaigne, when he heard the people upstairs, it was them building. He could have escaped. Right. He doesn't, and now he's sealed into this thing forever. Right. And his meters all say it's dangerous outside because it's all been sealed in. Gotcha. To me, that was such like a great twist on the ending. Yeah. And it's more of a TV ending than a movie ending, I realize. But yeah, I I have a feeling with this with this ten Cloverfield Lane, they were like, we've spent three million dollars on this blockbuster movie. Like that movie costs nothing until the end. You know, like again, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but like they probably, I guarantee the studio was like, you can't call this Cloverfield, get people's expectations up for action, and then deliver this like very tense little three character chamber piece with no big stars, because. You know, it's not an indie movie. Well, I think the movie still could have ended similarly to the way it ended. Yeah. I just thought they could have, it could have had a little more depth. Yeah, no, I agree. The ending, like I said, wasn't my favorite, but what are you going to do? Well, you know, Pat, what can you do? What else is pissing you off? Because we're going to wrap this up in a few. Because we got to do two today, guys. And we know there were some complaints about the length of the last one you missed these two-hour marathon fucking talk sessions and then somebody today was like uh hey i thought if you guys were only doing it for an hour at least we could get it once a week or something it's like hey just be happy you're getting it at all baby listen i'm very flattered thank you so much for all of your comments it's very nice that never makes me mad no but these are going to probably be around 50 minutes today because yeah. we have to do two because I'm going on tour for three weeks. Yeah, we're trying to bang them out. Which I should plug, I guess, right? Yeah, maybe when we're done. Hey. Nothing else really pissing you off, Joe? Well, we talked about how much I hate social media. We talked about how much I hate your opinion on many movies. <laughs> I think it was just The Witch. Talked about how much I hate politics and the yeah, people that believe in ones. it. Talked about how... The arts seem to be at a real low point. Talked about the lack of accountability out there. I mean, these are my big ones, you yeah. know. This is, this is, I mean, this, I have huge bits about this in my act right now. So. I mean, speaking of, of accountability, Joe had a dog walker the other night, and the dog got out. Lost my dog. You know, Lost. The dog is back now, and we're all very relieved. But, like, you can't trust anyone to do a good job with anything. You know, it was a very traumatic experience, and the the reason was he left the front door open and the dog ran out. And I was like, yeah. "Well, what did you do that for?" The answer was, "I don't know." Yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing you can do. It's like dealing with. This is the problem these days. It's like you know, I hate to reference Cosby, Ugh. given the current climate sure. of things with the man, but he he has that thing on Bill Cosby himself where he talks about kids, and he's like, "They just say I don't know to everything." Yeah. 
And it's like that's and how infuriating that is, and that's what adults do. And so, we're, so the hard part is, is we're living in this time where nobody has to be accountable, and everybody can just be like, "I'm sorry, I didn't know any better." When you know they did, yet it's also the time where if you hit somebody, you're more. I mean, the lawsuits are going to fly at you faster than anything. So there's yeah. no more like, let's just go duke this out, please, because no. you really fucked up. And then there's also no more just admitting to stuff. People have found the life loophole where they're able to just go, oh, you can't do anything to me, and I can just say I don't know, and that's it. And the the Internet is fostering it. Everybody everybody says glaringly obvious, soothing Everyone agrees with your opinion things all day. Then you get back all this feedback of people going, I agree with your very obvious, boring opinion that everybody thinks. Right. And then you're like, ah, yes, we all agree. Everybody, everything's cool. Then when one person attempts to say something different, original, I disagree, whatever else, um, people can't handle it and almost force them off the Internet. Now, granted, if that something is hate speech, that's not good. But people having a different opinion than yours is not fucking hate speech. And it's often regarded that way. You don't feel like me and all of my friends who share my exact same opinions feel about this topic. And therefore, you're a monster. We got to all slam this. It's not the case. And that's my point about the pendulum swinging. When Bush was in office, the big joke was... That all of his supporters and everybody that was on his side and everything, the the criticism of them and the joke about them was that these fucking people all hang out with each other. They all have the same opinion. They don't want any outside views coming in. If they do, you're a traitor. You're a treasonist. Right. You're against America. Those people that were all complaining about that are now the people saying, if you don't agree with us, then you're a sexist or you're a racist right. or you're this or that. You can't win on either side. No. You can't call the assholes assholes. You can't call the 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 dickheads dickheads. You're just no. you're just it's, what, what, you can't talk to anybody about anything anymore. There's no gray area. No. And then you and I, dear friends, our friendship has withstood many arguments. Some small, some minor. I some say many. I think there's been one or two. But I'm I'm saying us arguing about the witch is an argument. That's what uh, I'm okay. saying. All right. We have a more contentious friendship than most of my friendships, but that's what I love about it. And now you and I are both horror fans, both movie fans. I went in very excited to see The Witch. I didn't feel the same. You and I butt heads on it. You think I'm an idiot. You yell fuck you at me. <laughs> but I know that you, that we're fine. And that sort of discourse should be happening a lot more, and it doesn't. If, if, I, if I was talking to people and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck you. Ken Cloverfield Lane was awesome. You know, people get shaken up by it because everyone has become massive massive pussies oh yeah I, and actually yeah. you telling me you speaking this passionately about the witch we usually agree on a lot of things it, it makes me feel to myself okay maybe when the witch comes on cable i'll check it out again maybe i was wrong maybe i should watch it with subtitles these arguments can lead to maybe changing your opinion maybe helping you see things in a different way it doesn't sure. have to be the end of the world yeah. joe loved the witch i didn't like the witch were we still friends yes and i have frightened a few people with my yeah, no, your opinions. You, yeah, sure. I'm a rough around the edges, you know. I'm, I'm old school, but that's fine. It's what yeah, I love. Uh, I was gonna say one other thing about the shit, about the people, <laughs> the people. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. It's an upsetting time now. Wrath in the movie seven was when he killed John Doe. That's why I made the confusion. When he kills Kevin Spacey, John Doe. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's it completes the cycle. So that was just it. Like that they're they're filing him murdering a man as anger. Yeah. Okay, cool. What a Well, but I mean it is and it literally is the the truest definition of wrath. It's yeah. feel my wrath. See that's I guess that's, that's a what chilling I was saying. ending for a movie, man. And that yeah. for to be a mainstream blockbuster movie, that's a pretty hardcore ending. I watch Seven once a year. My thinking is, okay, that was one of the first R-rated movies I saw. I couldn't watch them till late. I was probably 14 or something. And I, I'm always like, are movies that much worse now? And the answer just simply is yes. It's not because we were kids and movies seemed better. Right. And it, there was shit coming out of that time, too. I think the same week Seven was out, Congo was in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> With fucking Tim Curry and the apes. Right. But... 
it just seems like a really bad time. And Seven, in terms of a screenplay, is such a fascinating and dark and perfect screenplay. And there's a movie where the ending, you're like, holy lord. A, that was completely unexpected. And B, the absolute perfect ending for this movie. And yeah. that sort of thing just doesn't happen anymore. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I, and as much as I can say Cloverfield lands a favorite movie in a few months, I really, really loved it, and I really did, and was scared the whole time. When it ends, I'm kind of like, eh, all right, it ended bad, and I figured it would, and what are you going to do? Because that's what everyone's doing. They're like, eh, what are you going to say? It is what Well, it I can is. tell you, I found the original ending to be, it's not as dark talk about that after. as Seven, but it was a little more along those emotionally satisfactory well, lines. Well, The Mist had a dark as shit fucking ending. And, and that you movie, know the crazy trivia about that? That is not the end in the story. Yeah, no, I know. The story, they just drive into the mist and you yeah. don't know what happens. Yeah, yeah. They were like, let's put an ending on this thing. And it's going to stick with people. I saw some interview with Darabont and he was like, you know, it was Iraq and Bush and the world was so dark. I just wanted to dive right into how bad I was feeling at the time. And things have gotten significantly worse. And but that's the movies our don't really reflect it. Yeah. show, everybody. There you go. <laughs> Follow me, Joe DeRosa Comedy, on Twitter. Follow Pat at the Patrick Walsh on Twitter. Uh, I'm coming your way, possibly. I'm embarking on a three-week tour starting Wednesday, March 16th. Uh, this might or may not be out by then. I don't know. But if it is, look, here are the dates. Uh, the 19th, 18th and 19th, I'll be in Wilmington, North Carolina. I believe the 22nd, I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I think that's a Tuesday. That Thursday, I'm in Hattiesburg, uh, Mississippi. The next night, I'm in Lafayette, uh, Louisiana. That Saturday night, I'm in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. And then the following Tuesday through Saturday, I'm at Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. So come on out, doing the new hour, ramping up to to something special with this one. So uh, come check it out. I will be performing with the Thunder from Down Under, all-male nude review, at the Mirage Hotel and Casino from June 12th to June 19th. Uh, the 19th is a very special night because I'm going full dick. Yeah. Uh, so please come out, show your support. Um, when I take that dick out, I, I'd love to have a lot of fans showing it the respect it deserves. Go see it. It is a sight to see. <laughs> You've been listening to We'll See You in Hell. It's a presentation of the Fangoria Podcast Network produced by Thomas DeFeo, executive produced by Ken Hanley of Fangoria Entertainment. For press opportunities, advertising inquiries, and information about We'll See You in Hell, contact Ken at Fangoria.com. See you later. Bye, guys.